You're listening to The Private Citizen, the podcast that is defending your right to have something to hide. This is episode 79 for Wednesday, the 28th of July, 2021. How the German immunity passport was hacked. Hello, everybody. My name is Fab. I'm coming to you live from the uh, city of Düsseldorf in North Rhine-Westphalia in Germany. Uh, where I haven't drowned and uh, my, my flat has no water damage but we'll get into that in a bit how are you doing uh, nice to have you back it's been a while I know um, I took some time off um, we're gonna get into that also in a little bit but now I'm back I'm back to the usual Wednesday releases of course I'll have to do some extra episodes to uh, you know make up for the for the uh, for the stuff I missed and you know promised an episode a week, so uh, I'm going to keep that promise. Anyway, today uh, we're going to talk about immunity passports again. I thought we'd be done with this topic for a while, but uh, really, unsurprisingly, um, <laughs> the, the whole system in Germany pretty much fell apart uh, while I was on holiday. So um, gonna have to talk about that. Uh, it was basically hacked. Hacked's maybe a strong word. Um, it wasn't really that much of a hack, um, as you will see in a little bit. But you know, you know, technically, you know, it's it's nicer nicer in a title than saying it was buggered or something like that. <laughs> uh, I hope you're doing well um, wherever you are. Uh, I hope if you're in Western Germany, your house is still standing. Um, otherwise, I, yeah, if if not, you wouldn't be listening to you. You'd have other problems, wouldn't you? <laughs> Anyway, yeah, so uh, so let's get into into that. Before we get into the topic, let's do some housekeeping here because I was contacted uh, by a number of people um, that were worried about me because, of course, um, Western Germany was all over the news, uh, I guess all over the world, with uh, this flooding that has been happening uh, in, in North Rhine-Westphalia, where I live, and in Rhineland-Palatinate, which is the uh, bordering uh, state, which is further south. Uh, I used to live in Bonn, uh, and just just south of that is where Brandon Palatin it starts. Um, yeah, so there was a lot of flooding. I I was not affected. I didn't even really realize this was happening because when this was happening, I was uh, blissfully riding uh, lovely mountain roads on my motorbike uh, in the Vosk Mountains uh, in uh, in France. Um, Dad and me uh, always do a motorbike tour every year. This was our sixth. And uh, we originally wanted to go uh, to the uh, to the Nord Cup. Uh, you know, the, it's not really the most northern point in Europe, but they keep saying that. Uh, but, you know, uh, because of all this... Uh, all the, all the freedoms of traveling that have taken away from us that, that we, we thought that was maybe not prudent. We could have maybe got it done. But um, yeah, we thought that's probably not the best thing to do that uh, this year. So instead, uh, my dad planned an alternative alternative route uh, tour we could do in two weeks, which was basically just in France. Uh, we went uh, from Germany. Uh, we drove south and then uh, rode through the Vosk Mountains, which I've never been. It would be beautiful. Um uh, for for motorbike riding, it's absolutely amazing. Uh, very little traffic, amazing roads, um, lots of World War One memorials as well. Um, and then we went uh, through the Alps. I went from the Vosk into the Alps, um, 
and wrote the uh, basically the whole well no the whole um, um, route route de Grand Alpes, which is like this this road that goes up several amount um, Alp passes. We we've I've seen a lot of those. Uh, we did two tours in the Alps before. Um, but nonetheless, it was really nice. We had wonderful weather the whole time. Uh, we didn't even have a whole day of rain. We just had a little bit of rain on two days. Um, it was beautiful. We rode that all the way down um, to the Côte d'Azur, the French Riviera. Uh, visited. Uh, we had, uh, took a day off there. Um, I uh, did some swimming on a beach in uh, in Nice. Uh, we did uh, visited Monte Carlo, Monaco. Uh, can <laughs> I wrote down the uh, down the the, the uh, promenade there in Cannes when the, the, the you know the the movie thing is just was just going on there was like all the hotels had like black limos in front of it and security people and lots of people in smoking well I'm um, sorry smoking that's the German word uh, <laughs> I haven't done this in a while I can't talk English anymore um, in uh, tuxedos running around and uh, yeah probably lots of film stars around. Uh, that was beautiful. And then we uh, rode up the uh, Route Napoleon, which goes from the Côte d'Azur to uh, Grenoble, uh, which is that is the route Napoleon took uh, when he tried to have his last stand, right, when he came out of exile. And uh, from there, we basically then went through the Haute-Provence and uh, back home. Um, took two days riding back home on um, just, you know, like... Uh, we avoided highways completely. Just went went uh, like country roads. It's really nice. Uh, the whole trip was really cool. All the way back, we actually went through some some of the villages that have been flooded. So I, I was completely not affected. I wasn't even aware of the things happening for a while. Um, uh, my flat um, is uh, is completely okay. Uh, there, nothing really happened in Düsseldorf. Um, also, it's not as it's one of these things, right? Where like, I mean, you're listening to the show, you'd be aware of this by now. Um, you can't really trust the media anymore. Uh, you know, there, there there was severely severe flooding, and you know, lots of people lost their lives and and their homes and stuff. But it's it's very concentrated on like a few villages. Um, it's like North Rhine-Westphalia is huge. Uh, it's is it the biggest federal state in Germany? Is Bavaria bigger? I don't know. It's it's huge. It's big. And there's lots of parts that are not affected. Especially the bigger cities don't tend to be affected. Cologne is a... Uh, uh, there's some flooding in Cologne. There was some flooding in Cologne, but there's always flooding in Cologne. Uh, and, you know, the Rhine goes through Cologne, Düsseldorf, Duisburg, where I was born. And in Cologne, they just built houses like incredibly close to the waterline. And that whenever the river rises a little bit, there's always flooding there. Um so that that was to be expected, but like some of these these villages uh, just got hit like really hard. But um, there, are, like the ones we drove through, was also just the town center pretty much. I mean, it's not really surprising that much if you if you go there and you see like the, it's like a village, you know, and it's like basically uh, slopes going down, and the village centers in the middle, in the bottom, right? And then there's like a little little creek that runs through, and then everything's like fucking paved. So if it rains a lot, like the rain will just come down and, you know, I mean, yeah. So um, I tend to, you know, I don't have a house. I, we just uh, we just live in flats. I, I, I tend to pl- pick flats that are in places where I'm like, you know, uh, if it rains a lot, this is uh, not going to get flooded. So I'm, I'm fine. So that's good. Thanks to everybody who was concerned, uh, by the way. Um, yeah. Um, it's really, of course, it's really bad for the people uh 
that were affected. But, you know, I mean, it, it's just, you know, it happens. It's it's natural disaster. It's just so weird that, like, it's, it, got, gets, it gets, like, um, I mean, it's not new. I, mean, I wouldn't say it gets blown off of proportion, but when some, something gets covered like this, it always seems to be, like, a lot worse. Uh, it looks a lot worse than it. I mean, it's really bad for the people that are affected, but it looks like everybody's affected pretty much. Right? You know, like the uh, the, the famous other example in Germany is the floods in 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 in, uh, in Hamburg in the 60s, and they were really bad. There a lot lot more people died there because it's a big city. You know, there were North Sea flat you know flooding from the you know from storm uh, on the North Sea. But even there, it's just like it was a number of roads like close to the harbor. And like 90% of Hamburg was fine. Uh, but if you see like uh, reports from back then, you'd think like all of Hamburg, Hamburg was flooded. This is always like that. It's like, you know, when we visited LA and the hills were burning as usual, right? And then like, if you watch the news in Germany, it's like, oh my God, LA is on fire. And like people were calling us like, you're in LA right now. Are you okay? And we're like, yeah, uh, there's like some hills over there are burning. And this is a really big place. So, um, yeah anyway um thanks for the concern i guess let's let's stop with the flooding talk because um can't really you know i really i didn't even know what was happening for a lot of time i was just happily riding on a motorbike um let's let's get into the topic uh we're going to talk about which is something that is familiar to us uh, on this show, uh, immunity passports and uh, how they're shit. Uh, so uh, let's do this. So yeah, immunity passports, they're shit. Uh, I, I talked about uh, on episode 74, the episode that uh, infamously got pulled off YouTube for YouTube claiming this to be uh, medical misinformation, which of course it was not. Uh, I talked uh, in detail. I, I mean, they were just rolling out. Like we talked about immunity passports in the show before. I talked, I said several times, well, it's a bad idea. Had a whole episode about this, about that it being a bad idea in theory and why. Um, but uh, <coughs> when they rolled it out um, in Germany, of course, I had to do like another episode and explain it. And I explained. Basically, the um, how the how the certificates are generated, right? Not in detail, but like generally the certificate infrastructure. And I, in this show, I kind of constant like you know it was mandated by the EU, and I went through that, you know, from their documentation and everything. And um, I uh, I concentrated mostly not. I mean, I explained how the actual system works, but then I concentrated the rest of the show on my main point. Uh, which I always make, uh, that it's a bad idea. Like that the, the having an immunity pass is a bad idea in general. If you want to know where that is and you haven't listened to that episode, uh, listen to episode 74. And I guess, what's the other episode? Um, the show notes, by the way, on privatecitizen.press. They're copious show notes. Everything's linked. And uh, if you go to episode 74, uh, then, you know, you can listen to that episode. But also uh, link the previous episode, which was 30 eight <clears throat> where i come sorry my um by the way my voice is um allergies again worse obviously uh, hay fever um, i apologize but um there they explained in general why you know why the idea is bad okay but I, I concentrated on that again 
Uh, and, you know, because I think that's the main point. I think the uh, we tend to, as techies especially, and you probably, a lot of the people listening to this are techies, um, just by the virtue of my audience um, over the years, uh, we tend to get bogged down in all these technical details. Uh, and that's one of the things I noticed, uh, for example, when I was working at Heiser, which is a very, it's a very technical publication. You know, they wrote a nice piece on this as well. And I'm, I'm linking them in the show notes as well. Uh, if you read German, but you know, with these, with us nerds, we get just bogged down in like all the technical details of the implementation, and we lose sight of uh, is this actually something we want? That was the same. That's that's the question I asked initially uh, with the contact tracing, right? It's not about like how private, how privacy uh, conscious is this implementation, and how how good is it or whatever like the the point actually is do we actually want this like that's the first question we need to ask ourselves do we want this in society and that often gets buried so that's why i went into that because i thought that was like you know that's an it's my important point um but i think somewhere in that uh, last in episode 74 uh, i must have also said it's a very complex system right and that there's probably going to be security flaws in this, just by the virtue of the fact, uh, just from um, experience uh, with these complex IT systems, I kind of know that they always have flaws. And if you roll them out this quickly, I mean, we know that, right? And if you roll them out this quickly, uh, you tend to not find them before you launch the system. So they're probably out there. And uh, this is exactly what happens, uh, what happened and what this news story is about um and that's just like it it was obvious but like my point is kind of like we're talking about this how horrible this security is today uh but i want you to not lose sight out of the overarching theme which is more important that immunity passports it's themselves i think are horrible and that's the more important point but i mean we must talk about why this specific implementation is bad so i, I mean i i think i was sh pretty sure and i talked about this in episode 74 i mean you can't really look at the infrastructure you know they don't it's like it's not like it's open source and it's really open and whatever but like they documented it well well and it's like clearly just a normal generic um public private key crypto infrastructure and, and i kind of trust the companies that uh you know, came up with this and implemented this to do that fairly well. So I, I always thought that the problem wouldn't be in the actual public, private, you know, in the in the certificate system, basically. I mean, not to say that there maybe there are flaws in the implementation there, um, but I think that that could be. But I think they're probably fixable if there are any there. I think the general idea uh it's probably sound because you know we know how to do digital certificates now and like these people that are doing these i mean they're not <coughs> like the open source people i would want the, to to like implement this kind of stuff but you know they're from big companies and they generally know what they're doing so that's not a problem uh but we will see now that you know obviously <laughs> with any any system uh, any IT system, the biggest was always humans. Uh, that goes for anything, right? That goes for intrusion into companies and stuff like that. Doesn't matter what your firewall or your antivirus or whatever it is, how good that is. Uh, you'll probably be defeated by some secretary uh, 
uh, opening the wrong email and pushing the wrong button. And this is basically what happened here too. So now, just a month uh, after this, this system was launched, and just to be just to be clear, what we're talking about here is a uh, we have immunity passports in Germany. They're like the standard WHO, the yellow ones. There's a picture in the show notes of mine. Uh, you know, in the in the previous episodes, so go to privacy.press, you'll find it. Um, we have those. Uh, but you want to have a system, maybe, and this is t totally optional, uh, where you can have a digital certificate of that, right? And they implemented a system where uh, if you get vaccinated at a doctor um, or, you know, at a national vaccination center, I think the army runs those or did at some point. I don't know if they do anymore. Like, they can give you this digital certificate. It's basically a QR code that that includes this digitally signed certificate that you can like read with apps and store in apps and stuff like that so that's what we're doing but they also wanted a system where like any pharmacy in germany can take your yellow you know your 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 paper you know vaccination passport um immunity passport can take that and then go and issue you a digital certificate so they uh, have a key, right? They have a signing key, and they can, or they have access to one, uh, and they can they can give you the certificate. And and this system, which includes like obviously hundreds of pharmacies in all of Germany, uh, was breached, and um, so they had to take this the server offline that the pharmacies use. Now, what happened? Uh, it's not a flaw in the actual signing system, but. Uh, so basically, there are two security researchers, uh, Andre, I think they're independent guys, Andre Zilch and Martin Zierisch. Zierisch? Zierisch? That's a hard name, even for a German. Like, it's somebody whose last name is Scherschel. It's not an easy name, right? This name is Zierisch. Zierisch. Martin Zierisch. It's, it's not easy, um, especially if you're in English mode right now, um, like me. Um, Anyway, uh, so they, they discovered this, and it's it's relatively simple hack. Uh, they're basically just, you know, hacked, or you could even say, like, social engineered the, uh, the infrastructure they were using. Um, so the German pharmacies uh, are organized as a uh, trade organization called Deutscher Apotheker Verband, DAV. And so the DAV, so that... Of course, not every pharmacy can like build their own infrastructure for digital site. Like they don't know how this works. They're they're pharmacists, right? So the DAV uh, built a server, a web server with a web portal that, if you're an employee of a pharmacy, you can use to create these digital certificates. And the idea is somebody comes in, uh, hands them their uh, immunity, their paper immunity password. You check their ID. You know, in Germany we have state IDs. You check their ID. And then you verify that it's correct and you issue them a digital certificate. Um, now, the problem is that this web portal uses little or no validation at all. And then the whole security of the whole thing, you can have like a completely watertight signing system, right? You can, you can have your digital certificate infrastructure can be flawless and designed by the brightest minds in the EU if this fucking portal just doesn't verify anything, your whole security like completely falls apart. 
And that is what happened. So these two uh, security researchers <laughs> created a fictional uh, Sonnenapotheke, which would be German for Sunshine Pharmacy, which is not an unrealistic name. Like pharmacies in Germany are often called like this, like Star Pharmacy, Sunshine Farm, whatever. Um, and they just picked a residential address for it that presumably one of the guys addresses where they could receive mail at. And then they re registered that with the DAV portal. So they went in there and said, okay, we, are, we just opened the pharmacy. We'd like to sign up. Um, and uh, of course, then they need to verify that they indeed run a pharmacy. Uh, <laughs> you'd hope, right? Uh, well, to do that, you need three things. Uh, you need a license, uh, like you need copies of... Uh, your letter, your your license to operate a pharmacy is like a state license thing. Uh, and then the DAV has a, uh, it's called a Nacht- und Notdienstfonds. So the idea is, so, uh, the idea is, uh, so in Germany, I don't know how it works in different countries, uh, but in Germany it works like this. Um, pharmacies have opened during normal work, working hours. And then in a certain radius, there's they rotate around, right? There's always one pharmacy that's always open. And so you go to your local pharmacy and they're closed because, you know, they're closed now, opening hours are over, it's like Saturday or whatever in the evening. And they have a little uh, thing that tells you where the next, like, uh, on-call, basically, on-call pharmacy is, right? And then you have to drive there. And these dudes rotate around. So every pharmacist has to do this, like, every few months or whatever, depending on how big your city is or whatever, I guess. Um, and to uh, pay these people and to relieve the financial burden of having to do all this, you know, you have to pay your your staff extra. Uh, in Germany, there's special laws about, you know, when people do not, do not work during normal working hours, you have to pay them uh, more money um, to basically uh, not having the pharmacies, like if you're a small pharmacy, you probably can't afford this or whatever. Um, this, this trade organization, the DAV, has like this organization that pulls money and you so you need a letter from them right that you kind of signed up uh so you need these two letters and then you need a telematic id and the telematic id says that there's a company called gematic which was like kind of was created by the state but it's now like semi-independent or something uh, when Germany went to uh, digitalize the healthcare system and, you know, we got like these patient ID cards and everything, uh, this company took over this. They basically run the, uh, the this IT backend for the German state healthcare system. And so every, any, uh, any healthcare operator in Germany, doesn't matter if you're a hospital or a doctor or a pharmacist or a pharmacy, I think, uh, gets like this ID that is used in this backend system. Now, uh, the, the the two letters were relatively easy to fake. Uh, as it turns out, like pretty much any German pharmacy has a copy of their, or a lot of them have, of the license online. So you can just see what one of those looks like and like Photoshop your Sonnenapotheke Sunshine Pharmacy thing in there, I guess. And then the thing from the Nacht and Notdienstfonds is just a letter just a piece of paper. And uh, so these guys were also able to fake one of those. They basically, they had a they, they had a pharmacist living like next door or whatever. And they were like, just asking him, well, what's this letter look like? 
And I guess he showed it there. Basically, they faked uh, those two letters, which you, I guess, have to upload copies of to prove that you're running a pharmacy in this portal. Uh, and then they, of course, needed this telematic ID. So they needed to be assigned one of these healthcare operator IDs, right? Uh, well, they looked online at how like this ID is structured and then just picked a random number. Uh, you know, that conforms with whatever like pattern they have, I guess. Uh, and uh, it worked. Uh, it worked. Um, they, uh, I think, what's it, two days later... Uh, they got uh, a letter uh, with a sign-on link. This is very German. We sent the link in the letter in the post. And um, now they were issued, they were able to use this portal and just issue random SARS-CoV-2 vaccination certificates, like digital ones, right? They could just go, you know, patient name, uh, this vaccination, that date, and uh, and just as a proof of concept, they created two, right, for for each of them. Uh, and then they contacted the Deutsche Apotheker Verband and said, "You have a problem." Um. So that's that's how the system was breached. That is, of course, um, incredibly easy. Uh, a a twelve year old could have done that. Um, <laughs> uh, so it's uh, it's a huge problem. Uh, it basically means that these uh, uh, these the, these digital vaccination certificates that are used all over Germany and they like an EU wide thing. Right? They accepted uh, this is like if you're an EU country, you have to accept these. Um, yeah, they are worthless because anybody could have just created their own pharmacy. Right, uh, put it into the system, get signed up, and then just create a few thousand of those or whatever, uh, you know, without actually vaccinating anybody or, or you know, verifying that these people are actually vaccinated, um, which, which defeats the whole. Which I actually kind of like because I think, uh, you know, as 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 I previously talked about a lot uh, and explained that these immunity passwords are a very bad thing for society, um, and so the, the system being completely broken is um, is kind of I think a net good for society. Uh, but anyway, of course, the Deutsche Apothekenverband uh, reacted to this and fixed it, uh, or 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 did they? Well, the, f the first thing they did is they shut down that server uh, pretty much immediately, and then uh, hundreds of pharmacies in Germany couldn't, you know, create these certificates for about a week, and they just started to uh, enable it again uh, at the beginning of this week when I'm recording this show. Um, but uh, the DAV maintains uh, to this day that their infrastructure is secure, uh, that the certificates are secure, and as they say, that the researchers only managed to get fake certificates by, quote, committing professional-grade fraud, end quote. Uh, and they say that to do so, quote, requires considerable effort and criminal energy, end quote. That, well, that's what the DAV says. Now, um, um, considerable effort and criminal energy. It's kind of like, um, yeah, as much 
effort uh, and as a 12-year-old would put in and as much criminal energy. I mean, this criminal energy thing is great. So um, as you'll see uh, in, in Twitch chat, uh, you know, of course, we have live commentary going again on the show, which is great. Um, picks up on this. This is something that they put in PR uh, press releases a lot when like their security get owned and what that means is that that means nothing right criminal energy means not criminal so they say kind of they use that as kind of like oh that would be a hurdle so so our security has been broken in some way right but if somebody wants to take advantage of that they need criminal energy so that makes it sound like to the uninitiated, like newspaper reader and like journalists who put this put this into stories and don't comment comment on this are doing a bad job by the way because that makes it sound to the uninitiated like oh my god that'll be really hard to do but what criminal energy just means is like the will to do something right um and you know possibly the will to break the law uh but that i don't know yes you're breaking the law but the question is will somebody ever catch you right so um and criminal energy just means you want to do this and you don't care uh, so that is not much of a hurdle to anybody, right? Because presumably, uh, you know, to, to start out with, if you're actually interested in creating fake uh, vaccination certificates, you must know that that is fraud, right? And therefore a criminal action. And you will already have dismissed that and said, uh, hell, 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 yeah, I'm going to do it anyway. So that's all the criminal engine you need. So it's that's pretty hilarious. Um, this whole thing is like, uh, yeah. Uh, well, as I said, the, the certificate portal as of now is back online. Uh, there's no indication that anything underlying has been fixed. In fact, from what the DAV says, uh, it seems unlikely. Um, because they're basically saying our security is based on the fact um that so the 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 system they the, these so basically how it works is if you are uh, have a pharmacy and you're a member of the DAV which is a trade organization then you have an access right they verify you you're a member you probably have to pay pay membership fees um, and then you you know they verify that you exist whatever and then you have access to the system but you also can have a what they call a guest account which is if you're not a dav member and of course you can operate a pharmacy and not be a member it's like it's not mandatory to be a member of this trade organization and that's exactly what the researchers used like this kind of guest access now the dav says the guest access is routinely monitored but it was, I mean, it was routinely monitored uh, and these guys managed to create the Sunshine Pharmacy and just get it in there, right? Presumably somebody checked and they didn't check very thoroughly because, I mean, the, the random residential address they put in, they could have just put that into Google Maps, did like a street view thing and go, this seems fishy. There's just a house there. <laughs> There's no pharmacy. This house doesn't even look like you can open a pharmacy if you want it, Right. Uh, so, I don't know. It, it seems like they didn't check very thoroughly, um, and like this whole security being being based on that. Like basically, what what you're saying is that 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 your whole signing certificate, you know, your whole certificate, everything, like the whole system, is based on that, right? Doesn't matter how secure your crypto is, if if your if your if your access control is. Well, we let anybody sign up. <laughs> we just kind of check, but we don't really. Then it doesn't matter, right? Um, 
Now, what, what makes this even more problematic is that even before these researchers did this, and I, I'm not sure, but I'm, they might have gotten prompted by this. There was a story in the uh, this like an Austrian news site called Watson, and they had a story that there are certificates, uh, fake uh, SARS-CoV-2 vaccination certificates being sold on the web, and they said that it looks like the only re the only place this really conceivably can come from is like this DAV portal. So it looked like the security researchers read that and then went to work, but I don't really know. Uh, it might have been in parallel, or who, who knows? But apparently, so these things are being sold. They're being, you know, they're 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 definitely from a German source, and it looks like they come from this portal. So it's very likely that some other people have come up with this uh, criminal energy. <laughs> and the resourcefulness of a 12-year-old script kitty to create their own pharmacy, fake pharmacy, and let's sign certificates. Now, according to the DAV, is what they say themselves, uh, more than 25 million digital certificates were issued using their portal uh, or their infrastructure. So... But, of course, it's now impossible to determine which of those are legit and which aren't. Um, and as I talked about before, the system is designed in a way, um, actually, something that I talked about before where I said, like, they can't, they can't have uh, limited times where they're valid. That actually got changed. So you, you now have, like, a, a time they're valid. But what is still true is that they can't be pulled individually so you the, the infrastructure has no way to because that would have been a lot harder to implement um, you can't go in and say this certificate's not valid so even if they figure out that some some certificates fake uh, they can't invalidate the certificate I mean they could have presumably all the apps that implement the system implement like a blacklist and then you put like you know you could do that it's kind of like you know the, the web browsers put like uh, breached certificates. There's like Google maintains this list, right, with breached certificate authorities and shit like that. You could kind of do that, but that's not implemented and that's not in the system as is. So currently there's no way to pull these. The, the only thing you can do is you can pull a signing key, um, but this portal has one signing key as far as I can tell. So what they now need to do actually uh, to to maintain integrity of the system, what they would need to do is to pull that signing key from the DAV portal, which means pulling 25 million certificates. That means that anybody in Germany, you know, who went to a pharmacy and said, hey, uh, can you please give me a digital certificate? This is my immunity passport, my paper passport. I would have to do that again. And they obviously don't want to do that because these people would be really pissed off and it would be really bad price. Um, so currently the DAV maintains, and I said this uh, in a Spiegel story that, that told Spiegel, uh, that uh, there are only two fake certificates out there, which presumably, I mean, means the two issued to the uh, two security researchers. I think this is very unlikely. Um I believe that Watson story. It seems plausible that there were, you know, they were selling these people were selling these in like messenger groups, 
selling these fake certificates. It's ple- it seems plausible that they're from that source. It seems plausible that somebody else had the idea of creating a fake pharmacy. I'm even not sure um, it would, wouldn't work now uh, because it does seem like they, they just took the server down and then just checked uh, for fake pharmacies. And I'm, I'm not sure like they would catch it even now, even now that they're on the alert. Um, I mean, I can't, we can't really know because we, can, we don't know how their system works. And But anything we've seen so far would lead me to believe that the system is still broken. And especially <laughs> them not pulling the signing key uh, kind of makes me think this is more about the optics of the whole thing, right? The PR, the propaganda, than actually securing the system because i mean that's how that's how your signing infrastructure as you designed it work it works you'd have to 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 you know to maintain its integrity you'd have to pull that key um it's kind of like uh, if you think in, in in web browsing terms it's kind of like everybody discovering that you have a crooked ca right that that is issuing uh tls certificates uh for bad guys and then you just let them operate, right? You, you know that, it's been published, everybody knows, and then you just don't care, right? right? It's like Google not putting them on the blacklist. Mozilla, Firefox not going, hey, these are crooked certificates, we're not gonna accept them anymore. They're just going, no, oh, okay, no, it'd be too much of a hassle. You know, if you invalidate it all, they probably also signed a few legitimate ones so uh, it'll just be too much hassle like if you do that it just makes a mockery of your whole certificate system it makes it a laughing stock and then this is exactly what what's happening here but like to me that is not even surprising because that's kind of like been noticing this more and more it's kind of uh, a general trend um that we've in- implemented it's kind of like it's it's like i said in the very beginning when this whole covid thing started right um it's 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 kind of um like the 9/11 security theater like we implemented all these security uh, things and we it's kind of been shown that they don't really work but we, we just go, we just go with the flow right i mean um it's like yes, I mean, for I mean, it's, it's very similar. Like you know, I'm not saying they don't completely work. It's kind of like you know, masks. Of course they work, but they they don't work as good as as the propaganda would tell you. It's kind of like with metal detectors at the airport. Of course, if we if we would like get rid of all the metal detectors um, and like the full body scanners and whatever, yeah, then it would be much easier to smuggle weapons on a plane. But to be honest. If you're a terrorist these days and you want to smuggle a weapon on a plane, you don't put it with a person, with a passenger, right? You, you get somebody working in the airport, you know, behind the scenes somewhere or like delivering luggage somewhere. Like those guys, uh, you know, you find you find a, uh, and they, they've been documented like Lexa security measures there and you just smuggle a weapon in there. Or you have like guys that are clean the planes and you put the weapon right right under the seats or on the, in the overhead compartment of the guy, you know, that'll board the plane next. 
<laughs> you know, so these are not these are not like secret things, right? So we so we know that, but we still put up with like lots of shit. Like we put up with the let's let's empty all the water bottles. Like that's not how you get like fucking explosive on a plane. That's not clear liquid. Like what the fuck? Um, it's just like it it makes little sense. Um, and and that's that that's what we are having right now with all these security measures, right? With all these, okay, you need to be vaccinated to go here. You need to wear a mask to do this. You need to blah, blah, blah. like, and then it's get kind of shown that it doesn't really work, but people are kind of like, okay, no, we're not stopping with it. We're just keeping it going so that everybody, it's, it's, <laughs> it's not designed to make you secure or healthy. It's designed to make people feel secure. And when you have a when you have a system, like we're building a, a society right now where you can can only go to like you can only basically have uh, a normal social life like a human being if you are vaccinated, right? And you need to prove everywhere that you're vaccinated. And then we're building a infrastructure to prove that you're vaccinated, which is completely fucking open and joke, right? And then we figure out it's a joke. And then there's some painful steps we need to take to make them more secure if we actually cared about that. No, we're not doing that. It's more important that, that people don't hear about the flaws. I'll just leave the flaws there. Just like don't 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 look over here. Right? Just cover them over with like fucking duct duct tape and spray spray paint it so it looks like metal. Uh, and people don't see the holes in the in the security fence. Uh, and then that's more important. Like the whole, the feeling of security is more important than the actual security. Um, and that's, you know, something that's, that's been, that's been happening everywhere. And that's really, really uh, worrying, I think. Um, it's, um, it's a problem. Um, especially like if it was benign, right? That that would that, that would be one thing, right? If this whole thing was like relatively benign, and with that, I'm even including. Like, I don't think it's benign that I have to wear a mask when I go outside. I don't think that's benign. I think that's uh, a serial serious breach of human dignity. Um, but and it's really dehumanizing people in public. But uh, let's let's just call that benign because it is relatively benign, right? If it was only this kind of shit, that would be okay. Uh, but what we're doing here is basically giving, and and this this applies to every country. This is not Germany. This like this shit happens everywhere. And I'm I'm sure like, I mean that's why I'm talking talking about the German system because I'm in Germany and this is happening here. But like you know, I'm sure the UK system for these certificates has the same flaws. The Russian system probably has flaws. In America, systems probably have flaws. Um, and this whole, you know, the societal thing is certainly happening everywhere. We're giving politicians a lot more power over us. Uh, we're going from a society, I would say, from a post-World War... I'm talking about Western countries here, right? The, the US, Germany, uh, the UK, countries like this. We're going from a post-World War II society where uh, we had rights. And we were like, this, these are inalienable human rights that nobody can take away from us they can be impinged upon in certain situations when it makes sense to everybody but they can't be taken away to a society where rights are basically earned by good behavior which 
we're gonna have to talk about the Chinese. Uh, it's a show I have on. I have a list here somewhere where all the all the topics are on there, and I have the you know the social credit model on there, um, and that's I I call that the Chinese model these days. Uh, because it's kind of like, yeah, rights are a thing you earn. They're not rights. They, they still call them rights, but they're really privileges, right? So if you behave nicely and if you get vaccinated, then you can go outside. And maybe you can even protest if, you, if you're a nice guy. Um, and it's, 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 uh, that, that is the actual thing. That's like, you know, that, that's really dangerous. And <laughs> again, it'd be i it'd be different for me it, it'll be still be a problem no matter why they're doing this i'm saying there i'm just meaning just general politicians as indie gaming chat says in, in twitch chat um i think they suddenly saw an amazing opportunity to get this control over us and have started to test the boundaries yeah it's what politicians do right they uh, that's realpolitik they use current events and and you know they use things to their advantage and they're using this they any politician was their salt do uh, you in politics because you want power? That's the thing. Right? That power is the thing. That's the currency. That's you want that. You want more of that. And then you you see an opportunity like this, and you can get more power, and you will do it. Um, and the and they they will they won't stop right. They only stop when there's pushback, and there's no pushback because people are cowed into into this by being told that things are really dangerous. And that this will keep them secure, which is obviously not the case. Just look at this thing we just talked about. It's a joke. It's a joke. The system is a joke. Anybody, any fucking, any, I could have done, I, I'm not saying this, a 12-year-old to just have a joke, right? When I was 12, I was smart enough to do this. If I had the internet at 12, I had a computer, I had all of this, I could have like made up an address and registered the pharmacy. Like I'm not, I didn't fake the letter, Right? You never, you never been to school. You never faked letters from your parents. Come on. That's what fo oh, wait. in my time this was. We did it by hand, but like that, that's what Photoshop is for, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, come on. Uh, and it's it's just like it's obviously a joke. Um, that that is just, uh, it's just, it just that depresses me so much. Um, this this whole like. So if it was an actual danger, right? If we were at the at brink of war, right? Or if democracy w was in danger from an actual external enemy, not like from ourselves, from our own system, which it is right now. But like, you know, if something, if there was, if it was Ebola or whatever, if something, if it was really, really bad, it was, it would still be. Uh, <sighs> It, was, it would still be a no-go to like give up these rights, right? We learned that. We learned that in, in, in World War II. That's that's what happened in Germany. You know, the government said it's really bad. We need more. We need more power. Here, have the power. Oh shit, we're in the we're in a dictatorship. How did that happen? So no. And but what drives me insane is that even the like the the threat isn't even there. Um, and it's it's like the more I look back, it is exactly like 9/11. Like 9/11, yes, it was a it was horrible. I saw it live on TV. I saw it live on CNN. After school, I was sitting there, I was doing homework. I saw it live on. Actually, I was sorting photo albums, I think. But like, I saw it live on TV, and it was horrible, and it was a, a shock to everybody. 
and everybody was scared and thousands of people died but in the in the grand scheme of things that was the that was the only attack that that, that was well that was london of course but like you know it was a tiny tiny thing in like historical perspective but the change that happened to our society afterwards wasn't tiny that was huge and it's not only the security theater it's the you know the, the stuff snowden and uncovered you know like the the mass spying on everybody fucking wars right imagine how many people died in iraq and, and in afghanistan like the twin towers are like just just a tiny drop in the ocean compared to that compared everything that happened from there like like how the world got these half the world got destabilized by all of by all of the the reaction to this so it's the same thing it's a it's an event that is horrible that gets blown completely out of proportion and because people can't understand like human brains can't understand like risk in a modern uh society where they can't go yeah that was really horrible but the chance of that happening to me when i'm on a plane is like tiny so i'm not going to worry about it it's about as as big as just a plane just falling out of the sky because some boeing engineer didn't tighten some screws correctly or like the fucking software is shit (laughs) um right it's like like imagine imagine the just while i'm at this topic imagine the reaction to this uh, to the Boeing uh, 737 uh, right software problem, like and those people dying, like just those two planes completely getting obliterated, it would have been as big as to something like 9/11, right? We, imagine what would happen to what would have happened to software development, <laughs> especially in the airline industry uh, since then. Like if we had a reaction like that, I mean, after 9/11, the, how many intelligence services? they create in the u.s so imagine the whole like homeland security apparatus imagine we had that like for software okay at 9-11 more people died but still um it's just people can't haha lies actually uh doing homework yeah at 9-11 i was actually uh, everybody has the story right actually um i watched it live because i was i was actually i wasn't doing homework because i think i I was finished with it anyway. I was like sorting through photo albums. I was watching uh, CNN because I just came back from Australia and it was the only English channel we had. So I, I kept my English going. So I, I watched it live. I was like the, when the first plane hit, I was watching it. Anyway, I had a driving lesson <laughs> on that day. The driving lesson on 9-11 was eerie. It was like uh, uh, probably six, five, six p.m. Uh, here in Germany. Uh, so the afternoon, I think what, I think 9-11 happened at like 2 p.m. German time. I don't know, something like that. Um, the streets were empty. There were there was nobody on the street. Everybody was at home watching TV. There was no car on the street. There were no pedestrians. I and mean, we're talking like the Ruhr beat. Like we're talking in a Duisburg. There's traffic. There was nobody. <laughs> my, my driving instructor was like, I mean, we're just finishing this this lesson so we could put it on the paper because you paid for it and, you know, we need it on the, like, you need a certain amount of lessons, right? But he's like, this is, this is absolutely useless. We're just driving around alone. You're not learning anything. <laughs> There's no other cars in the road. Uh, it was really weird. Um, anyway, uh, the point I was trying to make here and, and but probably belaboring is just that um, this is shit. Immunity passwords are a bad idea per se. Uh, the the fact that 
the system is 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 laughable. It's not even surprising. Um, the but the um, the fact that they're not fixing it is a scandal. Um, and it's just it's just emblematic of this whole problem, where it's just it's all fucking it's it's propaganda. It's 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 it is propaganda. It's Bernays. It's bloody everything's propaganda. We're not checking the fucking. We're not doing this whole vaccination stuff and then and, and immunity passports apparently to keep people safe. We're just to, because they don't care about it actually being valid. It's just it's just a joke, just a farce, just to make feel people feel better and then give politicians more power to control them. Apparently, I, I mean, maybe I'm a conspiracy theorist and I'm completely dumb, but like that's the only conclusion I can draw from this. And if you don't agree with me, I would say this a lot. Please, please come in, get get in contact. Private Citizen or Press. Contact link at the top. There is You can do this anonymously. I have a whistleblower contact form. You can use that. I wouldn't even be able to figure out who you are. So just please voice your opinion. And I, I want to put some... I want to put some contrarian opinion on the show as well if I can. I don't think... I can't imagine how you can have a contrarian opinion to this, but when I talk about this to people that I don't know, they're always like, oh, he's crazy, basically. But like, give me the counter, give me, I'm always going like, give me the fucking counter argument. If I'm crazy, where's the counter argument? Give me, give me a structured counter argument. And then they're like, I can't be bothered. Yeah, you can't be bothered because you don't have one because it doesn't exist. Because maybe we're right. <laughs> Anyway, speaking of feedback, um, we have to get into the feedback section because obviously uh, being off the air for two weeks, uh, or a bit longer than two weeks actually, uh, we have quite a lot to catch up on. And also like I did a lot of shows, like I get two shows in a row, so I didn't have any feedback on there. So um, let, let's catch up with what you guys are saying uh, and where you're contradicting me. First off, we have Martin, who is not contradicting me. Uh, Producer Martin, who says, uh, Hi, Fab. You recently reported that the video of your podcast on this very topic we're talking about uh, got censored by YouTube and restored after your complaint. You're not alone. Someone complained by suing. YouTube was forced to restore the video. They didn't. As a consequence, they have to pay 100,000 euros. And he links me to a, a Spiegel article, which I obviously also put in the show notes. If you read German, um, we uh, I'm, I'm going to just quickly summarize this. Um, so basically, somebody made a video of people protesting uh, the uh, COVID restrictions in Switzerland um, and uploaded it to YouTube, and YouTube uh, pulled it. Um, and then a, uh, a um, court in Dresden... Uh, on the 20th of April, actually, ordered YouTube uh, to uh, immediately restore this video. Um, but uh, the the platform only did this on the 14th of May. So this is almost a month. Um, and then they got ordered to pay this uh, 20,000... Uh, no, 100,000 euros. Fine, actually. Um, yeah. Um which is which is very interesting. Um, 
course, uh, <laughs> of course, Spiegel, it, like they, they report this and they put a spin on it. And it's like, oh, of course, YouTube is, is in a precarious position because like these, these evil, evil conspiracy theorists are using platforms like this to spread ridiculous theses about the virus and uh, oh, this, is, this is all horrible and then how can they fucking like oh, oh. but they're not talking about you know the thing I talked about when I uh, covered my video being removed that like it's not you YouTube's place there's 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 no law in Germany there's there's nothing that says you have to like censor these videos Right, and we have very strict laws in Germany now. There are very strict laws about like if something's illegal, you have to pull it and shit like that. And they, 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 you know, we talked about the Netzdg and all of this, and they're making it made it very strict. But this does not apply. This is YouTube arbitrarily deciding. Hey, anything with virus in it, it's like, oh, if you don't agree with the WHO, we pull it. Like, why? This is, I mean, I, I talked about all of this. Anyway, I, I, I think it's great that they got uh, that they got fined. I hope I hope this happens more. Um, I'm now a little bit sad that they restored my video immediately, uh, <laughs> which which I guess uh, doesn't 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 allow me to take legal action <laughs> because I mean a hundred thousand euros I could I could run this podcast for a very I mean okay you probably have to pay some to your lawyer but I don't think you even that yet you probably don't have to pay taxes on this do you does the guy get it uh, maybe they have to pay it to the state that would be anyway I would like to have a hundred thousand euros <laughs> <laughs> that would keep this podcast running for a very long time. Uh, some live feedback from Indie Gaming X. Thanks you, thank you for the Instagram updates, by the way. Yes, I was posting pictures uh, from the motorbike trip. Uh, I will I will upload these. I will put these on my blog as well at some point. Uh, blog at uh, fab.industries. So for people who don't have Instagram, uh, which I can understand. If you don't um, understand very well, uh, I will... Um, I will do that. Uh, we have another Martin uh, who also wrote into the show. And uh, this Martin uh, commented. Um, sorry, I have to drink some water. My voice. It's the bloody pollen in the air. They're killing me. It's actually a lot, lot less worse. Is that, is that English? <laughs> it's not as bad as last year. This year is actually pretty mild, but so I'm not taking the, like, I take this antihistamine drugs. I'm not taking those because they make me, like, I only take them when it gets really bad. And, for example, if I can't do the show because I'm sounding like this, then I take them, but they make me very groggy. So I'm actually not taking them this year. So the symptoms are there, but anyway. Less bad, yeah. Let's stop. Let's stop complaining. Anyway, Martin says, um, I'm in agreement with most of what you said over the last few shows. I just have a few things to say about the intertwined topics you brought up. Regarding copyright, as both a creative professional and the director of a media organization, I want to control I want control over how my work is used, and at the very least, it would be nice if other professionals in the industries respected that. That is a valid use for copyright, I would say. I was therefore very annoyed to find a picture of mine being used without permission by a British newspaper as the headline image on one of the articles. I regard this particular outlet as a political enemy. It's very strong. And so 
And so even though the image was worth very little by nature, I decided to fight them on principle. The response was interesting. At first, I was completely ignored and then told a load of incorrect lines about copyright law in a hostile, rude and badly spelled manner. Finally, after I copied in the news group which owns them, threatened legal action and promised to inform the intellectual property office, they gained a sudden understanding of the law became very contrite and paid me my due more than the going rate but less than the bill I originally sent for violating my intellectual property right um, uh, Martin makes this sound like this is a British thing this happens all of you know having worked in a in a media organization I'm not saying they did that uh, they didn't but I know how the game works especially if you're in a daily newspaper uh, generally what you do is you just take somebody's picture and uh because 90% of the time the people won't complain because they won't find out or whatever and they don't care. And if they complain, you just like, you know, just pay. You just settle with them. And it's like, it's often cheaper than, uh, you know, sending a photographer out for everything and you, for some things you just can't. So you just, you just, you just do it's just it's just the way the business works. Um, I mean, that's just, that's that's just how it goes. Not saying that what they're doing is right. Uh, you should never do that. But um, that's just how the game is played, pretty much. Um, on the subject of... Prop this is going back to was what Martin was saying. Uh, on the subject of propaganda, since 2014, British state propaganda has ramped up to an incredible degree. Union flags on everything in the supermarket now. An official government campaign has been running called Welcome to Great. Welcome to Great, spelled... Uh, in capitalized letters. Um, I think Martin is in Scotland, by the way, which rebranded everything Scottish as British. It's all in aid of one nation, British nationalism, and deeply sinister, in my opinion. Brexit has only amplified it. Um, I I believe you. Uh, I don't know how it's in Scotland. Uh, I know when I was in London, uh, which was like in 2012, uh, British flags were everywhere there as well. Uh, that's just British nationalism, especially when you've come from a country like Germany where there's no flags anywhere. Um, it's very noticeable. Um, but I, I, I agree. I, I mean, I think it would make sense, right? With with the Leave Leave campaign and um, and UK basically being worried that Scotland's going to break off. Um, it makes sense that they're propagandizing hard. Um, uh, I mean, I wouldn't even blame them on that, really, because that's what I would do <laughs> if I was the British government. I mean, they're just holding on to, like, the last parts of the empire. They kind of kind of, can't afford to. Um, so, uh, but uh, Martin says something interesting here next. Uh, the British Army has a very active troll division called the 77th Brigade, who are all over social media. British government presence in Scotland has increased by orders of magnitude. As I said, it completely makes sense to me. In 2014, the Scotland office had only a handful of employees. Now it has over 1,000, a massive new premises, and it's been rebranded the UK government in Scotland. The UK government in Scotland. Um, makes complete sense. Thanks by the, uh, for the um, Boots on the Ground report on this, by the way. This, this 77th Army Brigade site from the British Army is hilarious, by the way. Uh, the first picture is a woman uh, in a, uh, I think she's, was that a sergeant? She's a, she's a sergeant. Uh, I think, is that? I'm not that familiar with UK uh, rank insignia, but I think she's a sergeant. Uh, like, you know, in fatigues. Uh, she's at a keyboard. Uh, her right hand is holding a mouse. And 
her left hand is outstretched and they photoshopped a blow, glowing green globe like like a hologram in her hand very badly uh she looks like kane from command and conquer if you're as old school as i am um looking at this globe and it's hilariously bad <laughs> it's really bad <laughs> if like if that if they if they if that if they're using memes like that when they're trolling as well i don't think that they're, they're going to be very effective but uh, yeah, it's a it's hilarious website. So basically, that they're, they're trolling is pretty much what they're, they're professional redditors these days. I mean, they're, they're apparently varying fatigues while they're doing it, but uh, pretty much sitting in front of a computer uh, being on Reddit, uh, looks like. Anyway, Martin continues Incidentally, you may or may not be aware that we in the Precious Precious Union are also losing the right to peacefully protest. I have a link here that he put in. Uh, yes, I'm aware of that. Actually, uh, No Agenda has been covering this for a while. Uh, very, very interesting uh, developments because, you know, obviously uh, the UK um, uh, being nominally uh, a kingdom and, and you know, a, a weird a parliamentary um, monarchy, but still like, you know, a democracy has issues but it, it was always very big on like freedom of speech uh pretty much you know not as much as the u.s but you know much earlier i mean before the u.s were even around and you have famous things like speaker's corner in london uh which recently also got shut down i think um so there is like this is a interesting development which you know flows into what i've been saying earlier i think uh, Martin also says people such as Craig Murray are being sent to jail for reporting the truth. Uh, I have a link on that as well. I don't agree with him on this point. Um, I'm not cued into this whole uh, uh, UK Scottish politics. Reading all of this uh, makes me want to get in contact with Mike. Mike, if you're listening to this, Mike, we need you on the show. Uh, we need you to do a, do a show about this topic. It's very interesting, you know, Brexit and Scotland. Also, the propaganda angle, I think, would f fit well into the show. I find it very interesting. Uh, but this, as far as I can tell, uh, so there's a uh, there's a, uh, a lawsuit. Uh, there was some guy who was uh, not going into there, there, there were court proceedings uh, about somebody who was supposed to have sexually assaulted women, I think. And so there's this blogger. He actually used to be uh, dean of Dundee or the director of Dundee University previously. Uh, he was writing a blog about local politics and stuff. And he went to the uh, to the court uh, proceedings and and wrote about it, which you know something like I would do, for example, right? If if something interesting happened here, I'm really close to the Dusseldorf court. If I got got wind, and I you know, I would write about this. But actually, he got uh, held in contempt for court for re basically revealing the identity of, uh, I think, witnesses. Uh, and um, I don't agree with, uh, with Martin on this here uh, because um, if you listen to the show, you know that I'm very much for full disclosure and, you know, journalism and um, writing about, you know, what I perceive as the truth and, applauding people who do the same um, but there are rules uh, in Germany they're codified we have a press codex which is a voluntary thing you agree basically uh, tend to agree to abide by as a journalist it's kind of like journalists self-policing themselves and in Germany we have very very strict rules 
um, for example, in the UK, if somebody is arrested uh, in the newspaper, they will just cite his name. Like if if they're indicted for something, right? They will they will call out his name. We don't do that in Germany uh, because they're not they're just indicted, right? They they could be innocent. They they haven't been. Uh, you know that they haven't the, the process, they haven't gone through the process the court hasn't determined that they actually did it whatever it is and generally in germany we will we will even not name once they are um once the, the, the prosecutor and everything went through and they actually go to jail or whatever right once they're uh, deemed uh um what kind of what what word am i looking at i haven't been podcasting for two for for um, it's it's not good if i don't podcast for a while um they're guilty there's been a guilty verdict we will even not name them for example if like somebody um got uh convicted for murder or something we'll we'll not name them their full name because uh, we have this understanding in our criminal justice system here in germany that the system is designed to rehabilitate people right and the idea is that if you get like dragged through the court of public opinion it's almost impossible to be to get rehabilitated um and there have been very famous cases you know i mention often uh um Kachelmann, uh, uh the case oh god i have to look this up uh there actually probably can look this up if you uh, look for Kachel. if you i mean it's a hard name but your Kachelmann is a is a swiss uh meteorologist who was on television a lot in Germany, very famous, uh, famous weather expert. And um, he got, there was a court case um, where basically uh, he was uh, indicted for having assaulted, uh, I think he had an affair and he was, uh, he was indicted for having uh, raped the woman. And it's basically, uh, he got completely vindicated in court. So the, the court court's final opinion was that she made this up uh, but of course there was media coverage and he was named uh, in his case uh, a little bit different because you know the, the same rules don't apply if you're a person of public interest right if you're a celebrity really uh, but like it's it's a good example because um, I mean at that point you're ruined it doesn't matter that you get exonerated later right what the public remembers is oh he raped them if, if I talk to somebody to like often I bring this up to a lot of people because it's like one of my pet peeves. Go like, yeah, you're Kachelmann. They're like, oh, didn't he rape his uh, his, his girlfriend or whatever? And I'm like, no, <laughs> no, he didn't. Uh, but you know, that's what sticks, and this this is why we don't do this. Uh, and another rule is just you know you don't name like witnesses that could be like, you know, if you, somebody's a witness in court, they need to be protected. Um, they they could get in danger, you know. They could get be pressured, whatever. There's like there's a reason. Um, so in Germany, actually, if you're in court proceedings, and the judge like will will often address the media, and go like, okay, so these people, uh, these witnesses, you're not allowed to like publish their names, and if you do, you which, which is what happened here, you will be held uh, in contempt of court, um, and then you can you know just stiff penalties for that. Um, often, like when the defendant, for example, is um, uh, isn't of of age, uh, then then they're very clear. So usually, you can you can take a picture in the courtroom of the people. Often, you have to actually uh, like you know 
sensor uh, uh you know that you can't really recognize them or whatever but like in if they're like juvenile uh defendants then you can't even take a picture that's like all these th- certain things and if you were a journalist as, as much see the thing is i'm all for reporting the truth but you gotta ask yourself like what are you doing there like well, the, the the thing you have to ask yourself as a journalist is often what you're balancing is the person's right that you're writing about their right to their image and their you know right to their uh to live a normal life right um and privacy um you balance that against the the need of the public the need to know right and that's like yeah if somebody if the public needs to know right if that's easy thing is like a, a normal some normal person uh uh, you you figure out somebody random random person uh, went to to see a hooker right um, the public doesn't need to know that but if you if you're in the city and like the the, the there's a councilman on the council who's like oh I'm all Christian values and I'm all against prostitution and whatever and you figure out that person went to a hooker it might behoove the public to know that you know to just to have make informed decision next time you you council voting comes around whatever so that's always what you need to weigh and like why do these people why do you need to know about these witnesses and like that that's always the thing and it seems to me i'm not clued into this whole story but it seems to me in this case um the public really didn't need to know and you know he was uh he this guy knew that he wasn't uh, supposed to do this and then he was held in contempt of court and i really i don't see how you can complain about this um yeah so uh anyway uh martin concludes with um your point about the usefulness or not of creative commons licenses was interesting by the way uh, i wanted to uh just clarify here i was talking about the non-commercial creative commons license and i don't want any uh understanding out there where people are kind of thinking i think creative commons licenses don't work specifically non-commercial creative commons licenses and the cc0 license has problems big problems uh with you know just how copyright laws law works uh in certain jurisdictions one of them being germany and that was the point i was making anyway um El Terrestris Jim uh, chimes in with your description of the journalistic code makes me wonder how Bild is still allowed to exist. Well, they, you know, it's Bild is a famous German uh, tabloid, probably the most most infamous of them all, um, is uh, they they break it. They break it regularly. But it's basically how it works is we have the, the, it's called the Presse Codex. It's like the Codex. And then you have, it's like the pirate codex in the Pirates of the Caribbean. And then you have a council, the Presserat, and they, they have, you know, they're journalists on there. They oversee this and you can, uh, you can complain to the council and then they will find the newspaper. And they do that. Built, built, and Built is uh, regularly paying fines and they're also regularly being sued. I mean, Kachelmann sued Built specifically and won and got a huge settlement um, but you know, as I said before, with the copyright, you know, and just printing some images, that's just how the game's played when you're in tabloids. Um, 
and that's why I often think it's not good journalism, right? Because they they I'm not saying everything that Bill does is bad, but like a, a big part of it of their stick is just doing things cause you know to 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 uh, get attention, and it's just not good. It's not journalistic work, right? If you are just starting to just if you publish people's names. Uh, just to get like a witch hunt going or whatever. That's just like bad, bad craft. Um, anyway, uh, Mode 7 uh, had some feedback on, producer Mode 7 had some feedback on episode 76. Uh, he says, uh, you touched on the topic of a proposed German law that would require OS makers to restrict web content for the purpose of protecting minors ironically utah did a very similar thing and he links to the uh bill but only for smartphones uh, as he says hand computers and tablets bigger hand computers but more appropriately named interesting and that's really interesting that's like it, porn is exempt if you're using it on the on the computer maybe the legislators got a clue and think it's probably easier to force just like google and Apple to do this instead of like Microsoft and then the people who make Linux, which would be probably impossible. Uh, but yes, uh, thanks for the, the again. I I, very, I value these in, this in, this local input because I know that this kind of shit is going on all over the world. It's hard for me to access often to access these kind of things and to know what to. Um, concentrate on so if people have examples and then want if you want me to report on what's going on locally for you please let me know go to private citizen press let me know uh, mode 7 continues you may or may not be aware of it but there's a podcast called sex with emily i was not aware of this podcast i think that she's doing a good job of trying to bring sex topics out into the public sphere of conversation so that the taboo around it goes away and people can begin discussing it like adults it is good that you bring up pornography in the way you did you obviously pointed out the freedom issues surrounding it but the ethical problems surrounding its production uh, as you pointed out if uh, more people were open to discussing these things like adults it quite it's quite possible that the awareness surrounding the production of porn might allow for some serious changes yeah and i actually had some very interesting discussions with a number of listeners um some of them producers uh, of the show and uh, obviously i won't talk about this on the show because it's very it's, there was some very personal stuff uh, that we talked about um but generally about sex and porn and it looks like you know sex and porn in a relationship is something that a lot of people who listen to the show and probably generally a lot of people struggle with um that you know that is uh is a topic that creates tension in relationships for example and i think um i agree with uh with uh Mode 7 here, and also Dr. Emily Moss, apparently, who's doing the Sex with Emily podcast, which uh, is very successful, from what I can tell, um, which doesn't surprise me. It's called Sex with Emily, and she looks quite good. So, uh, yeah, you can't, really, you, you can't really compete with that as a as a nerd in a Sabaton shirt. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, as, as she also seems to be of the opinion, if we just talk about this more openly and just have this be less of a taboo 
um, I think it would be much better for everybody. I, I think a lot of these troubles would go away. Not only with porn production, but generally also with, like, I think um, couples in a relationship often don't talk about this because it is a taboo, right? If watching porn wasn't a taboo, then it would probably be easier to talk to your wife about this. And I think you should. I mean, I'm not, I'm not a doctor in sex human sex sexuality or whatever Emily is and I'm not a marriage counselor or anything um, but I feel like uh, you know uh, it's a normal thing everybody has desires men have different generally men have different desires than women or just generally people have different desires than other people and I think it's the more open you are with your partner uh, and the more you talk about these things even though it's hard especially because it is a taboo um, the better uh, the better your life will be um, at least that's been my experience in now almost 20 years of uh, being being in a relationship um, yeah I think I think we need we need less less taboos in this area that would be better for everybody if you want to talk to me about something like this maybe sex maybe porn maybe covid no sars cov2 vaccination i'm always almost doing it wrong now as well um go to private citizen oppressed there's a contact link um if you i am not built uh if you write me and say you want things held confidential then i will if you say, oh, you can put this on the show, lots of producers, listeners do this, uh, they write me an email and go, you can put this on the show, uh, I'd be happy if you leave this off. Or if you go, please don't mention my name or you know, make my name this or that, I will do that. Um, because I don't think it's important, you know, if it's not important for the public who you are, who fucking cares. Uh, and if you want to, if you just want to take that factor of me uh, deciding that out of it as well, you can just use the anonymous whistleblower contact form that's also linked there. And then I won't have no idea. If you don't want to, I will have no idea who you are. Um, you know, and you can also write me stuff if you don't want to have it on the show, if you just want to tell me things or whatever. Um, we, I, you know, I talk to people about living in Texas now, about the new Corvette, and why the why the design is horrible, and why it's not really a Corvette because it has a mid mid engine stuff like that. Anyway, but I would also be helpful if you write to me about like what you would what topics you would enjoy having on the show. That's also really you know I I do this podcast because I like to talk and I like doing podcasts, but. Uh, podcast but in uh, you know in the end uh, eventually I'm doing this for you uh, and I want to do stuff that you as a listener find interesting um, so um, yeah please please get in touch I guess The last thing we have to talk about is all the people that uh, enable me to do this show since I'm not getting hundreds of thousands of euros from YouTube because I sued them. <laughs> uh, the only way to survive is uh, by your charity, basically. But this is not begging because this is uh, the show is produced under the value for value model, which means you get it for free and then you decide what it's worth. Could be nothing, whatever. If you want to spare a, a, a dollar, a euro a month, once, 
10 euros, whatever. You can decide. There are several options you can pursue if you want to support the show. Uh, I have a Patreon page, so you can become a patron. There's a link in the show notes as well, Private Citizen Oppressed. Uh, basically, uh, it's a, like a subscription service, and uh, it enables me to have like a support that it's on, that's ongoing. That helps a lot. But you can also send uh, one-off contributions to the email address producers at fab.industries via PayPal. Or if you need another way, please contact me, like another way to send me money. Um, people have, have been threatening now for a while to send me checks because I don't know how to cash those at all. And I've never even ever done that before. Um, right. With that, uh, you know how it works. Uh, you can also, of course, subscribe on Twitch. Speaking of Twitch, we have uh, people in Twitch chat right now. Uh, friend Jonathan, who I actually met yesterday uh, in person. That was nice. Uh, he's back home, I guess. Uh, YOLO says Jonathan Jonathan's back home in uh, in Copenhagen I think uh, made it home he's probably pe- playing Tarkov uh, and watching my stream uh, while he's doing that anyway so uh, yeah uh, if you wanna if you wanna be a Twitch subscriber you can do that as well that helps anyway the people who have supported this show um, today and that I have to mention and give credit to are uh, George's, Steve Hose, Butterbeans, Jonathan M. Heavy. That's the very Jonathan I was just talking about. Uh, Michael Mullen Jensen, Dave uh, 1i11g, Jackie Blage, Michael Small, Vlad, Philip Klostermann, Jaroslav Lichtblau, IKN, Kai Sears, Bennett Piata, Fadi Mansour, Joe Pozo, Dirk Didi, Larry Glock, Tobias, David Potter, Matt Jelliman, Mode 7, Mika, Martin, Sandman 616, Mr. Ramish, Avis, Dave Amrish, Rudane the Insane, Rizel, Drive Zero, Ricky M, Barry Williams, Jonathan Edwards, Captain Eckhead, Cam D, RJ Tracy, Philip, Rick Bragg, Robert Forster, Super User, and No Reply. And also, of course, my Twitch subscribers, Mike the Dane, Sandman616, Flash Gordo, Mode 7's Unavailable, Indie Gamiac, Epoxy, and El Terrestris Jim. Um, all of those people are, a lot of those have been with the show for a long time. This is like the hardcore of producers, as you can tell. Uh, some of those uh, names pop up again and again. They write in, they uh, help me uh, with content, uh, and they help me monetarily. Um, and I appreciate all of that. Also, I have to uh, quickly thank ByteMark at bitemark.co.uk. Uh, a great UK hosting company uh, who provides me with the servers that the audio files get served from to you when you want to have them and you want to listen to a podcast and I couldn't do the show without them. So uh, thanks to Bindmark. And with that, I'm out of here. Uh, as you can tell, I'm back on the normal schedule. Should be a show next Wednesday. Um, maybe also extra show in between here and there. We'll see. Um We'll see. I'm still uh, just getting back into the groove of working after two weeks on the bike and just hanging out and relaxing a little bit. And um, yeah, um, we'll see. We'll see when the extra shows keep coming. But Wednesday, next Wednesday is a given. Um, right. Uh, before I leave, I uh, just have to quickly mention the theme song of the show. It's called Acoustic Roots. Uh performed by and written by Raul Kabzali um, and I'm going to play us out with a song called Black Vulture by Static Rush and uh, that's it for the show for this week I'll see you next week on Wednesday or maybe before if there will be an extra episode until then always remember to aim to misbehave
And it's uh, thanks, Indie Game X. Uh, Indie Game says, "Good to have you back. It's good to be back. It's good to be back. See you soon." <laughs> Just send me a prayer.